welcome to the Kingdom Truth Podcast. On our podcast, we teach the good news of Jesus Christ and biblical principles that empower all people with real-life, timeless applications. I am your host, Bible teacher, Yolanda Tyler. Well, praise the name of the Lord, everybody. We are excited about God's Word on this day. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your Word. For faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We pray for every listener that they will hear your Word and receive your Word. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to continue our sermon series titled, Cultivating a Heart of Humility. I will be reading in your hearing from the New American Standard Version of the Bible, Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility consider one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who as he already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being born in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. Our first biblical principle in this lesson is in order to cultivate a heart of humility, we must put away selfishness. Our second principle is we must put away pride. Our third biblical principle, in order to cultivate a heart of humility, we must put others before ourselves. Our fourth principle, we must be concerned about others. And our fifth biblical principle, in order to cultivate a heart of humility, we must put on a Christ-like mindset. And now we'll continue. Philippians 2.7 says, But he emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being born in the likeness of men. One of the first characteristics of putting on a Christ-like mindset is we must empty ourselves. We must follow the same example as Jesus Christ. Jesus emptied himself. He poured out all of his deity into the container of his humanity. He was fully God and fully man. And the only way Jesus could make his limited appearance on earth as a man was that he had to willingly empty himself of his divine glory. He willingly emptied himself and set aside his divine riches. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 tells us, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Jesus divested himself of all the limitless heavenly treasures and came down to live on earth. He emptied himself, and that is what the Christ-like mindset is all about. 
And as disciples of Jesus Christ, we too must empty ourselves of ourselves. We must empty ourselves of the vain glory, the pride, the big egos, and our old sinful ways. We must empty ourselves of the hidden agendas and selfish interests of everything and all the junk that hinders us from cultivating a heart of humility. We must pour it all out until it is all gone and lay it at the feet of Jesus. Jesus spoke to his disciples and said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We must be willing to let go and let God and any desire in our hearts to act independently and apart from God needs to be emptied are laid aside. And if we hold on to all that junk, there is no way we'll ever be able to cultivate a heart of humility. And as we continue in our lesson, the second characteristic of putting on a Christ-like mindset is becoming a servant. Philippians 2, 7 says, by taking the form of a bond servant and being born in the likeness of men. The word taking in this text means to seize, to catch, or to take upon oneself. The word form in this text is the same word morphe that's used for nature that describes Jesus being in the form of God in verse 6, which means Jesus existed in his pre-existent form and he also existed in the form of man, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. He lived and appeared on this earth in the same way as any other man, but yet different than other humans in that he was without sin, according to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. God reached out from his external existence into the material world which he created and took upon himself human flesh in the form of a bond servant. The word bond servant in this text comes from the Greek word doulos and it simply means a slave or one who has absolute total submission to the will of another. Jesus was totally submitted to the will of the Father. And when he became a servant, he took off his robe of majesty and he put on the garments of a slave. The Bible tells us in Matthew 20, 28, that just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus the Christ willingly left the majestic realm of glory to enter the world of humanity. He came down for us. He came down to our level. He took on the attributes and characteristics of a slave. He voluntarily submitted to the power of the Holy Spirit and the will of the Father. One of the sayings of Jesus Christ is, I came to do the will of my father. John 6, 38 confirms this. It says, for I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. 
Jesus chose to submit to the will of the Father in every word and in every deed. Jesus knew he was on assignment from God to fulfill God's divine plan of salvation and the redemption for all of humanity. Jesus said, I say what the Father tells me to say. For I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. And then we find in John chapter 5 verse 19, Jesus says, I do what the Father tells me to do. It reads, therefore, Jesus answered and was saying to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, these things the son also does in the same way. Jesus became a slave of God that he might serve us at the point of our deepest needs and how much more we are to become slaves for Christ. We too must become servants and live our lives in total, absolute submission to the Lord. And here's some questions for us to ponder. Number one, are we submitting to Christ and to the authority of God's word and all that we say and do? Are we doing the Lord's bidding and fulfilling the desires of our master? Is our will swallowed up in the will of the Lord? We say we're servants, but are we really servants of the Lord? And if so, how do we react when we are treated like a servant? When we go unnoticed or when we are not thanked? How do we react when we are unappreciated or we don't get any compliments? Are we really servants? are hirelings. Scripture says, if we want to be prominent or first, that is a slave position. Remember, the way up in the kingdom of God is down. Jesus said it so beautifully in Matthew chapter 2, verses 26 to 28. It is not this way among you, but whoever wants to become prominent among you shall be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you shall be your slave. And in order to cultivate a heart of humility and to put on a Christ-like mindset, we must become a servant. And our third characteristic is we must obey God. Philippians 2.8 says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. The King James translation reads, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The word appearance in the New American Standard translation is the same word as fashion in the King James translation. And it comes from the Greek word schema, which means an external condition or outer manifestation. We get the word scheme or schematic from it. The word was used in ancient times 
to depict a king who would take off his crown and his robe and all of his royal garments and would put on the rags of a beggar just for a short time and would come out of his palace to be among the people. Jesus Christ, our Lord and King, took off his robe of majesty and he put on the rags of a slave to come see about us. And when Jesus came down to earth to see about us, as we said before, he was fully God and fully man. He acted like a man, talked like a man, and he looked like everybody else. He was fully human in attributes and characteristics and in terms of appearance, but nobody knew who he was. Nobody recognized him. Nobody knew he was God by looking at him. But Jesus thought so highly of his creation. He so longed to be with us. He came to us and experienced what we experienced. In the book of St. Luke chapter 4 verses 1 and 2, our Lord Jesus experienced hunger. The Bible reads, Now Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they had ended, he was hungry. Jesus also experienced anger. In Matthew chapter 21, 12, when Jesus was at the temple, the Bible says, Jesus entered into the temple area and drove out all those who were selling and buying on the temple grounds. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. Jesus also experienced grief in the Garden of Gethsemane. Matthew 26 verses 37 to 38 declares, And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee with him and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. Jesus also experienced rejection. Luke 4, 16 says, So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood there. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And then we read in Luke 4, 28-29, So all those in the synagogue, when they had heard these things, were filled with wrath, and rose up and thirsted him out of the city, and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Jesus was rejected by not only church folks, but by his own people. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 54 to 57, we read, When he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brothers James, Ehoses, Simon, and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? 
So they were offended at him. And then we find in John chapter 1, verse 11, the Bible says, Jesus came to his own and his own people did not accept him. Jesus experienced everything we experience. Jesus had a job. He worked in his family business. In Matthew chapter 13, 55, it says, is not this the carpenter's son? And we also know that Jesus experienced friendships. He had friends that he loved very dearly. And at the death of Lazarus, Jesus tells Martha and Mary, Lazarus' sisters, that his sickness was not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Jesus also experienced ministry. He began his Galilean ministry in Luke chapter 4, verse 14, where we read, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. Jesus came to earth and experienced what we experience, God in the flesh, and no one knew that he was God. And as we continue in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, the Bible says Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. The King James translation reads, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The word humble in this text means to make low or to abase. It means selfless humility. Jesus Christ is perfectly selfless. And as the Apostle Paul writes to the saints at Philippi, and also this word applies to us too, this is the attitude and mindset that we ought to have. A.T. Roberson put it this way, voluntary humiliation on the part of Christ and for this reason, Paul is pressing the example of Christ upon the Philippians, this supreme example of renunciation. It is the attitude of humility every believer is to manifest. And when we selflessly serve the Lord and others, it makes a difference in the lives of so many people around us. And we can make a very powerful impact in the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ demonstrated perfectly selfless humility. He stooped all the way down to purchase our redemption. He absorbed the wrath of God on our behalf and died for the sins of all mankind. Charles Spurgeon so beautifully Put it this way, the lower he stoops to save us, the higher we ought to lift him in our adoring reverence. Blessed be his name. He stoops and stoops and stoops. And when he reaches our level and becomes a man, he still stoops and stoops and stoops lower and deeper. And not only that, 
Jesus so humbled himself that he was obedient and he willingly suffered the death on the cross. The word obedient in this text in Philippians 2.8 comes from the Greek word hupakeos, and it means giving ear to, submissive, or attentively listening. It comes from the English word acoustic. Jesus listened to what the Father said to him and told him to do, and he did it. He paid close attention to what the Father commanded. And unlike some of us, when our parents told us to do certain things, we didn't do it. It was like what they told us went in one ear and out the other. We were not listening and had no intentions of obeying their instructions. But Jesus simply obeyed the Father. It was perfect obedience. He humbled himself by his obedience and gave himself up for you and for me. And there's no humility like obedience. Jesus always had a spirit of obedience. And we might ask ourselves, are we obedient to the Lord and subject to his lordship? David wrote in the book of Psalms, I delight to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. Do we delight to do God's will? First Samuel chapter 15, 22 put it this way. To obey is better than sacrifice. To give heed than the fat of rams. Jesus set aside his own life as an act of total obedience to the will of the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit responds to obedience. Jesus died willingly and he died obediently. Let's continue Philippians 2.8. It reads, even the death of the cross. The word even in this text simply means the extent of Jesus's humility and obedience. One commentary said even unto death expresses the climax of his obedience. It was voluntary humiliation from the incarnation to death by crucifixion. It is noted that crucifixion was the only death a man could die with arms outstretched. The cross was such a painful, shameful death, an excruciating death. The cross was a place of capital punishment and crucifixion was the well-known instrument of most cruel punishment. It was for the guiltiest criminals, particularly the basis slaves, robbers, and the authors and abettors of insurrections. A.T. Roberson called the place of the cross, the bottom rung and the ladder from the throne of God. Jesus came all the way down to the most despised death of all, a condemned criminal on the accursed cross. Jesus died as a criminal. It was an accursed death. God himself had called it so. In the book of Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 and Deuteronomy 21 verse 23, the Bible reads, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Christ humbled himself and became obedient unto death. He hung and died 
on that old rugged cross just for you and just for me. And when we decide to follow Christ, we too have a cross to bear. It will cost us everything to follow Christ. We will be ridiculed, lied upon, rejected, talked about, insulted, taunted by the people who are closest to us. We all have haters and Judases in our lives. And their whole reason for existence is to try to hold us down or to stop or block God's assignment on our lives. Jesus said it so beautifully in the book of St. John chapter 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, you know it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I choose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. And as disciples of Christ, we will not let anyone or anything stop us from completing our God-given assignment and his purpose for our lives. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, that as disciples, we must deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. No cross, no Christ. That is what cultivating a heart of humility is all about. Selfless humility. If you are willing to be nothing, God will make something of you. The way to the top of the ladder is to begin at the lowest round. In fact, in the church of God, the way up is to go down. But he that is ambitious to be at the top will find himself before long at the bottom. That is a quote by Charles Spurgeon. Jesus submitted himself in obedience to the will of his father in death, a death by crucifixion, in order to provide salvation for sinful mankind. There is no better example of humiliation and a selfless attitude than that of Christ. With that example, we ought to live humbly before God and before each other. In order to cultivate a heart of humility, we must put on a Christ-like mindset, which is characterized by emptying ourselves, becoming a servant, and obeying God. Now, here are some practical applications for our lesson. Number one, read and meditate on the scriptures pertaining to this lesson. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, Matthew 16, verses 24 to 26, John 12, 49, and John 5, 19, Luke 4.16 and 1 Samuel 15.22. Number two, find someone who is hurting or in need and help them. Number three, use your resources to bless other people. And number four, live your life as a humble servant and obedient to the Lord. And you might ask, Bible teacher Tyler, who is this Jesus? Well, the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus 
and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for salvation that's taking place all around the globe. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Truth Podcast with Bible teacher Yolanda Tyler. Please subscribe to our podcast so you will know when the next episode is published. To hear more biblical teachings and give to support the ministry, please visit our website at www.thekingdomtruth.org. That is www.thekingdomtruth.org. God bless you until we meet again.